Good morning, Sunrise. Thank you so much for braving the winter weather and coming out to worship and learn more about Jesus with us today. Uh, if you'd like to stand, we're going to begin our worship songs. Good morning. You can take a seat for just a second. I have to tell you, I'm really encouraged this morning. I thought maybe we would be just doing this for Facebook Live, and we'd be doing this with empty seats. So um, God bless your faithfulness and, and hardiness. I spent a couple winters in Minnesota, and, and this was the norm. That was part of my college education up there, was to never complain about winter around here anymore. And so we're glad that you came out to, to join us this morning. Um, 
we were going to have ministry reports this morning, and we've decided to put that off till next week, financial reports, and then Sun Kids and Mission and Life Groups, and we'll do that next week when we can show some things on the screen, and it'll just be a little more effective. The good news on the financial report is that God is faithful, and it's been a pretty amazing year for Sunrise Church in the middle of the challenges that we have faced. Just a few announcements. The majority of them are in your bulletin. Uh, probably the most important one is to just keep in mind, men, that this week is the beginning of our, of our men's Bible studies. And if you haven't got signed up for one of those, we'd encourage you to do that. Uh, Tuesday morning, 6.30 a.m., Monday evening, Wednesday evening, or Friday morning is the four groups that we have going. And so make sure you ask your wife if you should do that. And when she says yes, then get a hold of one of the staff members and we'll get you We'll get you lined up for one of the groups. Uh, I think that's all I have. Paul, do you want to? Do you have a video to play for the promo? I started going to visit my dad in the summers, and without fail, like every single time I would go out there, there would be some drunken blow up. He would just like. Terrifying. I am eight years old. And he just punched me. And I remember falling on the floor and sliding across the kitchen floor. Totally confused. That happened a bunch of times. About like five years ago, I started meeting with this therapist guy. And he says to me, Tommy, I'm gonna tell you something. If your father is alive, you need to sit down with him and you need to ask him one question. <laughs> so you got to come to hear what that one question is. Those are, th- those are really representative of the, of the little videos and the lessons that we'll be looking at in these men's studies. Uh, real life men, real life issues, real life things that, that many men have experienced. And so we just encourage you to be involved in that. Let's have a word of prayer, and we'll get back to worship. Father, thanks for the day. Thank you for just the beauty of the snow. It's cold, and it's hard, and it makes things difficult, but yet there's just a beauty and and a purity in that that reminds us of of, of what we are in your sight because of the blood of Jesus. Pray that you would just empower our worship this morning. Pray that we would be able to sense your spirit and that we would hear from you through the music and through the word this morning. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Please stand up and join us. We're going to continue to worship.
So this next song is actually a new song. It's called Only a Holy God. Um, it's one of my favorite songs, actually. I've kind of had it on uh, repeat for the last, like, uh, two or three months. Um, anyway, it makes me think of a specific passage in the Bible. Ironically, it's one of my favorite passages in the Bible, also from Daniel chapter 3, uh, the fiery furnace. I'm sure most of you are familiar. Uh, in this story, there are three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they are approached by King Nebuchadnezzar, who had built this huge gold statue to himself. He's very humble. Um, and everyone was required to bow down and worship this statue. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego refused. And King Nebuchadnezzar threatened to throw them into a fiery furnace. And they tell King Nebuchadnezzar, got this here. I'm reading Daniel chapter 3, verses 16 through 18. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God whom we serve is still able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. So that's pretty powerful that they have so much faith in God that they know God can, that God will. And even if he doesn't, God is still sovereign. He is still loving. He is just. He is merciful. He is holy. God is our savior and he's worthy of praise. So anytime there is, you know, a trial, um, something coming up in your life, a, a sickness, a, you know, anything you think you cannot overcome, my, you can say, my God can, he will, and even if he doesn't.
from my failing. Who else would offer his only son? Who else invites me to call him father? Only a holy God, only my holy God, come, come and behold him, the one and the only, cry out, sing holy, Send his son. They called him Jesus. He came to love, heal, and forgive. He bled and died.
Father, I thank you so much for giving us the opportunity to not only spend time with you, but to lift you and your name above all else. Jesus, it is an honor that you seek a relationship with us, that we have the opportunity to get to know you through your living word, through your living people. And Jesus, I just pray that we can take every day to get to know you and become in a closer relationship with you. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Lindy and the worship team. That was good this morning. Well, this morning we're going to continue on in our series in the book of Luke. And the topic we want to look at this morning is deliver me from my physical maladies. Maladies is kind of an old-fashioned word that we don't use or hear very often, but as I looked through for synonyms for that, there was none better. So that's what we're going to stick with this morning, physical maladies. As you look through the gospel accounts, they are full of pictures and stories of Jesus healing people from physical ailments. And as we look throughout the pages of the, of the book, uh, Gospel of Luke particularly, where Luke was a doctor, he gives us a unique perspective on what that looks like and the experience that that, that was in people's lives. And so one of the things that, that is, as, we, as we talk about this this morning is, you know, Jesus was here and came as a spiritual Messiah, so why was physical healing such a central part of his ministry? In the opening, particularly in the opening parts of early years of his ministry, that was a a daily occurrence. Uh, Hundreds and hundreds of people were healed. And so this morning, as we we look at some accounts within the book of Luke that has to do with Jesus healing people of, of physical illnesses, I want us to look at four different aspects of that. First of all, how sickness affects us. Why is it significant that, that, um, that Jesus heals us and, and just the, the psychology of how sickness affects us? Then we want to look at Christ's power, the ability that he had because he was God over sickness. I want to spend a little bit of time looking about at community and how when we encounter physical sickness or those around us encounter sickness, how that affects us, how that affects those around us, how it affects the community around us. And then the last thing I want to look at this morning is that within the context of Scripture, sickness, physical ailments, especially the disease of leprosy, is a picture. It's a type is what they call it in in biblical terms, a picture of what we are without Christ how we're deficient and how there's things beyond our control. And and so we want to spend a little bit of time looking about that. Let's take a minute and and have a word of prayer as we start. Father, we're grateful for this day and we're grateful for this time that we can spend in your word together. We thank this morning of of many in our community that have to be out and about in this weather. And, And Father, we would be faithful in praying for them as that's part of their job, that's part of their livelihood. And uh, we just pray that you would keep them safe and that you would make their work prosperous. Father, we ask for your Spirit's guidance as we turn our attention to your Word. Uh, All of us have been affected by sickness and disease in some way or another. Uh, Our whole last year has been affected by that in terms of a society and a world. And so I pray this morning as we turn our attention to your Word that your Spirit would be our teacher. 
that you would apply the words to the, to the individual needs of our heart and that we would sense that we've heard from you before we leave. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to take a minute here and tie my shoe. Otherwise, I will be thinking about that for the next 20 minutes. As you get older, you learn your limitations and being an analytical personality. That's just not going to happen. I can't do that with an untied shoe. All right, let's start this morning by looking at man's affirmity. Uh, Luke chapter 4, beginning with verses 38 through 40, and then we're going to flip over to chapter 5, verses 12 and 13. Just a couple of little verses that talk about Jesus' ministry to the people around him. 4, 38 through 40. Jesus left the synagogue and went to the house of Simon. Now Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever, and they asked Jesus to help her. So he bent over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. She got up at once and began to wait on them. At sunset, the people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of sickness, and laying his hands on each one, he healed them. And then chapter 5, beginning with verse 12. While Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. Can you picture what it must have been like for Jesus after he had healed the first handful of people? When the news of that got out to the community and the surrounding region, all of a sudden throngs of people began to come to Jesus and if you notice the diseases in the, in the scriptural account were all things that, that are given, they were all things that were incurable by man. It wasn't things that over a period of time, the common cold that would go away, but they were things that were outside of man's control. And so for those in that society that were sick from these different things, this became a source of hope and encouragement that had never been there before. And so they flocked to Jesus. What is it about sickness that is so troubling to us? I think about the past 12 months, 11 months technically, as we've been in the middle of this pandemic. Our whole lives have revolved around a disease, a sickness, a virus, the fear of that, the uncertainty of that, the unpredictability of that. And as I thought about over this past week or so, what it is that that why sickness is so troubling to us, I came up with several things. First of all, when we're sick, it's a, it's a reminder of our human weakness. It tells us that, that there are things that, that are not within our control. There are things that happen within our lives that, that we can do everything that we can to be careful about, but sometimes they just occur. It's a reminder of our fallenness. It's a reminder of our frailty. It's a reminder of our mortality. It's something on which we have very little control. And if we do contract a disease or a sickness or a virus, we're at the mercy of whatever it is that has caused that. Nothing that we can do. One of the things I think that sickness does is it manifests and brings to light 
the fears and weaknesses that we have in our character. I, that cannot be more aptly illustrated than what we've seen happen in the last months with the pandemic among us. If you could put one word that would characterize the last 11 months, it would be fear. Absolute fear. That you'll contract a disease, that you'll die from the disease, that it will hit someone that you love and take their life. It brings to light the weaknesses and the fears within our character. Sickness is unpredictable. It doesn't follow the rules. Throughout this pandemic, we've seen people over 100 years old that have come through with great health. And we've seen teenagers and children that have died, even though that's not the way it's supposed to work. Unpredictability. And then finally, sickness has a social element to it. I think of how different we view sickness today than we did only a few months ago. A year ago, if I'd have had a cold, I would have been careful and come to church. That would not be a popular thing to do right now because of the difference, the social element of disease and how it's so important that we take care of those around us and think about those around us. So that's what disease, the effect that it has in our lives. Let's look at how Christ interacted with those that had disease. And I think it's important that we recognize that the reason that these accounts are given of, of Jesus healing these various people is because that's a fulfillment of prophecy. No different than his birth in Bethlehem, no birth, different than his coming from Nazareth, no different than all of those things pertaining to his birth and life and death. Him healing people was a fulfillment of prophecy. Let me turn your attention to Isaiah chapter 35, verses 5 through 7. Then the eyes of the blind will be opened, and the ears of the deaf unstopped. There will be lame leap like a deer, and a mute tongue shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand will become a pool in the thirsty ground bubbling spaces. In the haunts where jackals once lay, grass and reeds and papyrus will grow. If you look at the first four things that are listed in verses 5 and 6, there's instances in the gospel of Jesus healing each and every one of those four things that are mentioned. When John's disciples came to Jesus and asked him, John was in prison, and so the, his disciples came to Jesus and asked him if he was the Messiah. This is in, John, or in Luke chapter 7, verses 20 through 23. When men came to Jesus, these are John's followers, they said, John the Baptist sent us to you to ask, are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? At that very time, Jesus cured many, had, cured many who had diseases, sicknesses, and evil spirits, and gave sight to those who were blind. So he replied to the messengers, go back and report to John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. Why was that an appropriate response to John's disciples? Because John the Baptist would have known the Old Testament. He would have known the prophecies related to the coming of the Messiah. And when Jesus 
shared with his messengers what he was doing and what was being experienced by the people around him, John would have known that that was a fulfillment of a messianic prophecy. We see that Christ has supremacy and, and his healing shows that indeed he is God. In Luke chapter 7, verse 14, we read, Then he went up and touched the bear that were carrying him on, and the bearer stood still. And he said, Young men, I say to you, get up. And the dead man sat up and began to talk, and Jesus gave him back his mother. So not only was he able to cure sickness and diseases, but even death had no power beyond the power that God had given to him. The other thing that I noticed in Jesus' teaching or his experience when he was healing those around him is that many, many times he used a physical event to capture or portray a spiritual truth. If you remember in the account that we read about the leprous man there in chapter 5, what did he tell him to do? He told him to go to the priest, fulfill the sacrifices that were supposed to be fulfilled under the law if you've been delivered from leprosy as a testimony. And so there, there is a Jesus metaphysical need, but then it began a, a place in which he taught a spiritual truth on, on, the, on, on the heels of that. You look at nearly all of his miracles had a spiritual dynamic to them. The feeding of the 5,000 as he took the bread and the fish and, and, and fed 5,000 people with, with leftovers, there was a spiritual truth that he wanted to portray, that he is able, that he's the bread of life. So a physical need met in order to proclaim a spiritual truth. I want to take a few minutes this morning and talk about the reality of how sickness affects us and what our response ought to be in our community. In Luke chapter 5, verses 18 and 19, and we're going to talk a little more about this story as, as we get on this morning. Some, man came, so some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. Whether we like to acknowledge it or not, our physical sickness or the physical sickness of those around us reveals the needs and the heart and what is in our hearts. It reveals whether we have a heart of compassion. It reveals whether we have hidden fears. It reveals how good is our faith. It reveals whether or not we are full of compassion and love or the opposite of that, we're selfish. When I am sick or someone around me is sick, it gives God the opportunity to work in the lives around the sick person. And always, God has a sovereign purpose. I, I love what Lindy shared this morning in the, context of, in, in the context of what we're talking about this morning, that God will, that he's able, and even if not. That's a picture of God's working in our lives through sickness. I mean, sometimes God chooses to heal. Sometimes he chooses not to heal in this life. But he's sovereign, and he has a purpose in all those things. One of the things I want to encourage you is that if you're looking for a way to, to minister or reach out to those around you, it is non-offensive and, and very seldom ever um, disregarded 
if you know that somebody's sick, to just take a moment and say, can I pray for you? I've never had anybody tell me no. Even if they don't have a relationship with God, there's something about being prayed for and knowing that their physical ailment is being lifted up before the sovereign God is an excellent way to start a conversation. It expresses love. It expresses concern. It expresses care in a way that's non-offensive and non-confrontive. And so I encourage you every opportunity that you get that even if it's, even if it's what we'd consider a minor illness, can I pray with you? I'm praying for you. Those words express compassion. One of the things that I want to draw your attention to is this story that we just read. Because whenever I read these verses in Luke, it, it just it pierces my heart because it raises a question in my mind. So you know the story. Jesus was teaching. The house was crowded. These men came that had brought their paralyzed friend on a mat, and they wanted to get him in so that Jesus could potentially heal him. There was no physical way that they could get through the doors. And so they took it upon themselves to climb up on the roof, take some of the tiles that were off the roof, and with ropes, lower their friend down in front of Jesus. And whenever I read that story, it's like God poses the question in my mind, what are you willing to do to bring your friends to have access to Jesus. You know, what they did was totally unconventional. I'm sure it was not exactly um, acceptable in many people's eyes, particularly the Pharisees. It had to be somewhat disruptive. As Jesus was there talking and speaking, I'm sure there was crumbs and dust and heaven knows what all else that fell from the roof as they removed those tiles. But the men... The friends in that story did not care. All they wanted was to see their friend encounter Jesus. And and to me, that's just a powerful picture. Sometimes God calls us to do silly things, things that make no sense. What am I willing to do? What am I willing to risk to make sure that those around me are able to encounter Jesus? A powerful question and a powerful illustration. The last thing I want to look at this morning is how sickness in Scripture is a picture or a type of sin in our lives. I want you to notice Jesus' response to the leprous man, Luke chapter 5, verse 13. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. Then Jesus ordered him, don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Specifically, leprosy in Scripture is a picture of what sin is in our lives. In Jewish society and the society of that day, lepers were seen as unclean. They had to separate themselves from the population. They lived in colonies out 
amongst themselves because they believed that the disease was highly contagious and people didn't want to have anything to do with them. I did some reading this week about leprosy, and, and it's interesting that how cultural things change. In the United States last year, there were less than 200 cases of leprosy that were diagnosed. There are drugs now that a couple different series of drugs that you can take that will eradicate the bacteria that causes leprosy. But in Jesus' time, those were not available. And so this disease became something that they didn't know how to respond to. They didn't know the science behind it. And so they chose to separate people. Sin separates us. Leprosy, if left untreated, is a progressive disease. It gets worse. It gets worse with time. It was incurable. One of the reasons when you see pictures of, of people with leprosy and their, they, their digits are, are swollen and shortened is because leprosy causes a numbness in the nerves and the nerve endings. And so as they would go about their daily work, they would bark their finger or scrape their hand, or, and they wouldn't be able to sense that or feel that. And a lot of the loss of those kinds of things on their hands was because they couldn't feel when there were injuries occurring. Leprosy caused a numbness, and then ultimately death. Those things are all a picture of what sin is in our lives. And notice the response of Jesus to the leper in those verses that I just read. The first thing he did was he touched him. He touched him. That may have been the only human touch that this man had experienced since the diagnosis of his disease. And yet Jesus touched him. He reached down to that one that society saw as being unclean, and he touched him in compassion and love. The second thing we see is Jesus, in his power, said to him, Be clean. He cleansed him. He took away the disease that had plagued him and had separated him and had caused him to be unclean in his society. And then he told the man to go, fulfill what the law requires, and give testimony of what God did in your life. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his Son, that whosoever will believe in him should not perish but have eternal life. What Jesus did to the leper in this account is exactly a picture of what God does and is willing to do for the sin in our lives. From the time that Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden, sin became a reality and part of our nature. We were born into sin. We didn't have to learn to do it. You don't have to teach a child how to lie or how to want their own way or to be selfish or to be mad. It's, it's inherent within them. But God took the initiative to reach out to touch us. Wasn't required to do that, but in compassion and love, he chose to. Romans 3.23, familiar verses from Romans that talk about the way that we come to Christ. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. 
We're all leprous in a spiritual dynamic. We're all separated from God. We all have a disease that's progressive and incurable. It causes a numbness within us. The more we practice sin, we become numb to the reality that it's a reproach against a holy God and it's a reproach against the people that are around us and it hurts those around us. And ultimately, sin in our lives ends in death. Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 8, talks about our powerlessness, the same as the leper. You see, just at the right time, when you were powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Powerless. We're powerless to be right or live up to the standards that God requires because of our sin. And yet God sent Christ to die. He sent Christ to die. So that through the power of his shed blood that we can be cured of the sin that ravages us. How do we respond to that love and that touch of Christ? I love the response of the leper in in Luke chapter 5. What did he do when Jesus came on the scene? Notice it was Jesus that took the initiative to reach out and touch him. He fell with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. How do we come to faith in Christ? How do we experience God's healing for the incurable disease of sin that we have? The first thing we have to do is fall to our face in humility and acknowledge that in and of myself I am unworthy and unable to live up to the standards of a holy God. In the Beatitudes in in Matthew chapter 5, it talks about blessed are the poor in spirit. That's an acknowledgement that in my spirit I am wanting and needy and powerless to please God and to be in a right relationship with Him. The next thing that the leprous man did was he begged. He begged. He acknowledged that, that Jesus, as he stood before him, was the only hope that he had to be healed from this disease that ravaged his body. And that's what we must do to come to faith in Christ, is to acknowledge that Jesus is our only hope. The blood that he shed on the cross is the only hope for our cleansing and our being made right in God's eyes. Only you can make me clean. Only Jesus can make me clean. So as we think of ourselves this morning, if you've come to that place of faith in Christ, then you recognize the power and the healing that comes when we put our faith in Christ. If not, and you're still caught in the power of sin, and you've never made that decision, then you have an incurable disease. And it will separate, and it will be progressive. It's incurable. It will numb you to the reality of what it is, and it will result in death. Most of us, before we came to faith in Christ, spent a period of time trying to deal with it on our own. 
think that I can be good enough or uh, religion is just a, a crutch for weak people or you've heard all the excuses. I love the account in, in, in Luke and then it's also repeated in Mark about the woman that, that came and, and secretly reached out and touched Jesus' garment because she had been bleeding for 12 years without any relief. And in that account of that woman in Mark, it says that she had spent all of her money on doctors trying to find a solution to that which ailed her. And reality is, prior to coming to Christ, we all try that. We all try to deal with it on our own. I can be good enough. I don't need God. And yet, just as this woman came to the conclusion that Jesus is my only hope for healing from this manner, we need to come to the place where we acknowledge that Jesus is the only hope for us to be healed from the incurable disease of sin. So what about you this morning? If you trusted Christ, if you experienced His healing power and touch, then you have, I have, a responsibility to go. How many times in the course of the Gospels when Jesus healed somebody did He say to them, go back and tell those what marvelous things God has done for you? The account of the demon-possessed man, specifically what Jesus says. Go back and tell those around you what God's done for you. And so if you've experienced Christ's cleansing and healing, our responsibility is to go. To go, to pray for those that have physical illnesses. To do everything in our power to make sure that those we love that are without Christ has access and the opportunity to encounter the healing power of Jesus. And if you haven't trusted Christ this morning, then your response that God desires is that you, in humility, fall down before Jesus and say, I can't do this on my own. I need your healing and cleansing power. I acknowledge my sin before you. Forgive me. Cleanse my sin. Take away the penalty of death that's the end result of that that I might live and give testimony to your faithfulness and power in my life. Let's pray. Father, we're grateful for this morning. As we talk about sickness, it's something that affects every one of us in various ways and in various manners. We don't like it, but it's a reality of our existence in a fallen world. And we're grateful, Father, that in the midst of it, how many times have we cried out to you for physical healing and you've granted that? And we give you praise for that. I pray that as we encounter those around us and those of many of whom have not been healed, that you would give us the ability to minister to them, to give them the hope that you have for their soul, even if the physical ailments may remain in this life. Because for those in Christ Jesus, healing is always the end. Either healing in this life or healing once for eternity in your presence. Father, use these words in our hearts this week, I pray. In the name of Jesus, amen. Please stand. We've got one more song we'd love to share with you today.